RM Breakfast understands a snap review of the alcohol restrictions in Alice Springs has recommended the Territory Government urgently legislate amendments to its own Liquor Act. It would impose alcohol restrictions in Central Australia, including in those town camps, going beyond this three-month restriction timeline that was announced last week. The liquor laws would then stay in place until alcohol management plans are developed by communities that would allow them to opt out and make their own customised plans. Ahead of the NT and federal government's uh, response to this report, I'm joined by the referendum working group member, Pat Anderson. Today, she is one of the people who'll be making this uh, presentation to Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, about trying to get his support for a voice to parliament referendum. Pat Anderson, welcome to the program. Good morning, Patricia. Just on this issue that's breaking... Um, this idea of the Northern Territory legislating alcohol restrictions for a longer period while individual communities can make their decisions. What do you make of that sort of idea? <laughs> well, it's, it's try- look, it's a tragedy that's happening, but this is, me- this is a long time in the making. It just didn't happen overnight and governments have known for a really long time uh, that there's, there are issues in the Northern Territory and in other, other jurisdictions as well. Um, there's been hardly any investment in Aboriginal remote communities for decades. It's all broken down quite a bit. So essential services, a lot of people come into the uh, towns on the Stewart Highway, Alice Springs, Tennant Creek, Catherine, Darwin, because the infrastructure at home is broken down. This is there's no quick fix. The alcohol restriction that they're doing they're doing now. Well, they have you know have to do something. And there was a big meeting in Alice Springs. It's a tragedy, but it's long time in the making. And successive governments of all kinds of political persuasions have known about this. You, of course, uh, have been involved with these issues for a very long time. Under the mm. recommendation that I've been briefed on, communities would only be able to opt out of the scheme if they have an alcohol management plan and they actually have a broader plan. Do you think that's a good plan to try and transition communities in the longer term to designing their own futures? On that kind of detail, and here I'm my adv- big advocate for um, First Nations people speaking up about their own issues and what have you, I think the question should be put and always to the people First Nations people that live in and around Alice Springs and across the Northern Territory. Uh, that's what needs to happen. We've been talking about these issues for generations, but governments, as I say, successive governments don't always listen to us. Hence, we're in the political situation that we have now to try to get governments of the day to listen to what Aboriginal people on the ground, on the ground, what their needs and priorities are, and it's still it's still happening. This is a really good example where that ha- that hasn't happened. So, really, that question is put to William William Tilmouth, for instance, been very mm. open about it. And Frank, he's he's an Arundel man. He lives there all his life. And then we had the grannies coming out uh, about last week, I think, saying, "Why don't they come and talk to us?" I mean, I rest my case. For goodness' sake. On this issue, there was a claim made by Linda Burney on Radio National Breakfast last week, and she said, she's of course the Minister for Indigenous Australians, that if there was a voice, she doesn't believe this would have happened. Yet she was receiving advice, as was the Northern Territory Government, that, that there was the prediction that some of this could happen. How would a voice have changed this situation? 
Well, I think the local people speaking for themselves, those grannies and Will, William, everybody, you know, that, that live in those towns, they can see what's been happening. So why why didn't the government of the day, you know, do something? Because it's not through lack of us speaking and recognising and identifying our issues. Often they're very clear, they're on the streets and still can't get anybody to listen. So I think I don't want to use the tragedy of... Alice Springs or any of the tragedies of disadvantage and, you know, powerlessness and poverty around the country. But this is what The Voice is going to address. And I'm sure someone would have someone would have said from Alice Springs, some, we've been saying it forever, but no one listens. That's, that's the point. We speak, people give us polite space and nothing happens. So, yes, if we had a voice, I'm sure that all those local people would have said, hang about. We've got we've got we've got problems here, and we need we need to find solutions and fix them. So I think that's what Linda's alluding to that it would probably would not have happened because people that would have not only they would have they would have the power to be heard, not just listened to, but to be heard what their concerns and and provide the solutions as well. I I believe uh, that those grannies will know what's happening with their kids. For sure, William Tilmouth knows what's happening with those kids. Pat, later today, the referendum working group that you're on, of course, will meet with the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, and the Liberal Party's Indigenous Affairs spokesman, Julian Lisa. What do you want to tell them? Well, we're going to talk to them about the voice and how we work, how we actually actually, uh, get down to situations like this. We get down to where people actually live and are experiencing the disadvantages across the country, varying degrees to all all families, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families. So we would start to um, heal this uh, torment of our powerlessness and actually deal with the issues. And so the, the money that's allocated for, um, for us, it actually gets down on the ground to where the real, the real needs are. So, um, Governments of the day, uh, you know, it, we'll be able to make governments of the day will be able to make better decisions about us because we will, this we will be sitting at the table as equals discussing um, solutions and what needs to happen, be, and hopefully before before tragedies happen that we can stop them just merely by talking to us. You know, generations of us have been talking to successive governments and nobody hears us. And that's got to stop. And that's what the voice is about. Linda Burney, the, the, the minister, has uh, spoken to the Australian newspaper. And in, in that interview, she said that the, the voice may not even be legislated in this term of parliament. Will it be? Do you think it should be legislated in this term of parliament? Look, I think the government is trying as hard as they can um, to get this to be done ex- you know, as, as quickly as we can, but there's a, you know, there's a right time to go and there's a wrong time to go, and it's always really difficult to find the right time. I think the prime minister is, is correct when he said early in the piece that there will be a referendum in 2023. So my hope is that we will go sometime this year. That's for the referendum, but then to actually have this up and running, will it happen in this term of parliament? <laughs> well, there's another pro. If we get a yes vote. There's a process that starts the very next day on um, the modelling and talking to people and going back um, and going over everything again. So that's where we'd be voting on the, the on the principle of the voice. And as we've been saying, and a whole lot of us have been saying, 
um, the model will be designed. We have lots of, it's not a blank piece of paper. Um, we have three reports that are on the table that will be used. So, um, so we'll be, we have to go to work the very next day after the referendum to then get on to uh, the modelling and have another series of consultations and discussions. And would, would that still, the time frame, be possible to have it up and going by before the next federal election? Oh, well, when is that due? I, I don't, is it due next year? I don't know. So we're not sure, basically. It depends on how long well, it takes. I don't, I, when, I don't, when is the next election? I don't know. David Crowe in the Fairfax Nine Papers is reporting that the Prime Minister made an urgent personal bid by asking Peter Dutton to set out any changes he wants to the voice proposal. Mm. Do you think that's a good way forward? Well, we've only got principles now. I don't understand what... what. Dutton will have a chance, like all politicians, all the parliament... They, once we get a yes vote, it will go to Parliament and the model will be legislated. So Peter Dutton and everybody else sitting there will have an opportunity to be involved in this process. That's how our democracy works. That's how referendums are held. You know, marriage equality people, they didn't have to, you know, talk about the bill to everybody. They went and voted on a, on a, on a principle and then all the work was done afterwards about what it would look like and what the legislature... That's how we run referendums in this country. So in in today's interaction, will you invite Peter Dutton to be part of looking at the wording, trying to get his bipartisanship? How how important is it to get his yeah, buy-in? Look, no, the, uh, look um, the government is very keen to have bipartisanship uh, before we go to the referendum. And part of the meeting today will be try to convince him to... Uh, look, he hasn't said no. Um, he is... <laughs> but... Um, Neither has he said yes. So this will be an opportunity for the work for him to meet the working group, and we can have a discussion with us. And perhaps this will be the begin. Maybe this will be the beginning of several conversations before he actually makes up his mind. I know the government, um, the Albanese government, is keen to go to referendum uh, with a, a bipartisanship um, happening. So this is an important meeting today for how we all, how the nation uh, proceeds. But hopefully, it won't be one meeting because he couldn't pick everything up in one meeting, but it's the beginning um, of a conversation of people with um, goodwill and good heart. Oh, that's an interesting point you make. So is it your proposal that that you'll need to have Peter Dutton uh, around the table, so to speak? He's, he's actually calling in virtually, but uh, around the table more, more than once? <laughs> well, look, this is a personal view, but I don't believe if he's, if, if he's serious... Um, he needs to have more than one conversation, I would think. Um, so I'm hoping this is the beginning, <laughs> beginning of something um, a little bit more um, that he, he will be he will be convinced along the way, or make the decision not to support it, and then we have a whole other sort of issues that has to that have to be dealt with. What are those other issues if that is the decision he makes? Well, you know. There's a whole argument now. We're going. We had it's 48 years or something since we had a last referendum, and there was no. Um, it's not the, the digital age. The population of Australia, the demography of our country, has changed. We saw that in the last uh, last election. We now have to have this. Dig, we're we're part of this digital age, so that no referendum previously has had that. So I don't know. This is a personal view. I don't know how whether it will entirely rest 
solely on whether the government can get bipartisanship. That I think is still up in the air a little bit because the whole d d dynamics have changed. The whole demography of Australia, it's a different country now than it was even 48 years ago. Mm. It's, it has changed demographically quite it's a changed lot. And it's changing as we speak. So the answer is we're not really sure um, that everything that, in fact, advice is, listen, you can't really judge, make any judgments on what's happened before because it's too long ago and the changing Australia, the face of it, it's been very quick. Pat Anderson, um, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Pat Bye. Anderson, another Patricia, co-chair of the Uluru Dialogue and member of the Referendum Working Group, and you're listening to RN Breakfast. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.